So while many are unaware, we are right now in the midst of the full feast days of God. We have the Day of Atonement coming up this weekend. And we're right now in the 10 days of awe between the Day of Trumpets and the Day of Atonement. If you haven't watched my video on the Day of Trumpets, I encourage you to watch that one as well. Um, to get a bigger understanding of the feast days of God. And we've discussed how Yeshua fulfilled every one of them to the very day. Sacrifices of Passover lamb on, pass, on the festival of Passover, put on the grave on the festival of unleavened bread, raised on the festival of first fruits, and 50 days later on the festival of Shavuot or Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is poured out. And so God fulfilled these things to the very day and left us with a remaining three festivals for in the fall that have not been fulfilled yet. And these festivals point to the coming of Jesus, the Messiah, Yeshua, the Messiah. So in this teaching today, we are going to be talking about the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement is also known as Yom Kippur, as well as the fast in Scripture. In Scripture, and even in the New Testament, we see the New Testament believers know about this day called the fast because they were keeping it. We know that Paul said that I must by all means go up to this festival coming in Jerusalem. We, we read how Yeshua kept all the festivals as well. And then he instructs his followers to walk as he walked. And these festivals are prophetic pictures of the future given to us by the Father as prophetic pictures of the future. So he can teach us about the coming of Christ and give us the, and, and allow us to prepare for it as well. See, in modern Christianity, in our divorce of the festivals of God, where we have been taught that they are abolished and inapplicable, we have been divorced from preparation. For these festivals are all as wedding rehearsals to prepare us for the coming of the King. And so we, God knew that when he left and when he and, and he knows people that when we are left in, in this world and we're we're surrounded by all the distractions and everything that continues to surround us, we get so caught up in this in the busyness of life. Yeah, sure, we make time for God every day, but we never stop and assess ourselves. We never take a, an incredible pause and assess ourselves in light of that day, that day of the Lord, that day that's going to come, that, that last blow of the trumpet that's going to sound one day where it's going to be too late. No one will have another chance to ever again say, Father, forgive me. There will no longer be a chance for repentance. The time will be up. And so the father knows that this is an incredibly huge issue we, we, where we need to pause and we need to see and focus on this issue of repentance. And this is why these festivals are incredibly important. Isn't it ironic that on the pagan festival of Christmas and other Christian festivals, which we have adopted, not, in the, not, of, the, not of the Bible, there is no such thing as repentance on them. They're, instead, we are, fo- we are focused on, on presence and all kinds of things that are totally irrelevant to the gospel and to the kingdom. But, but God's festivals that he calls us to keep, the festivals given by the Father, those 
have a specific call to repentance, introspection, and rep to repair the bridge, reconciliation. And so I encourage you that if you've never heard or kept these festivals before in obedience, I encourage you to this year come to the Father and say, Lord, how do I do this? Even if you don't know how, the Father seeks that obedience. He seeks that child that will just try to make the bed, even if he doesn't know how. That child that's just going to try, and even if the pillow goes, goes on the wrong side of the bed, even if the, the even if it looks horrendous, the Father just wants to see us try because He know that when we start trying, we start learning and we and he, His grace is there to pick us up when we fall. And so in that, we learn more about Him and we get closer to Him. Acts 27 verse 9. And much time having passed and the sailing now being dangerous because the fast was already over. Paul advised them. So as I already mentioned, we see that Paul here, they know the East is talking about the fast. And as we will now soon discover, discover this is indicating the day of atonement, the festival, the appointed time of the day of atonement. And in Leviticus, we are instructed for the first time around this day. And it's awesome because in Leviticus, the father gives instructions of this day in the beginning and it points to the very end. It points to when Messiah comes back. And this shall be for you a law forever. In the seventh new moon on the 10th day of the new moon, you afflict your being and do no work to native and the stranger who sojourns among you. For on that day, he makes atonement for you to cleanse you, to be clean, to to be clean from all your sins before Yahweh. It is a Sabbath of rest for you and you shall afflict your beings a law forever. So in the original instruction, we see a few key things in the first verse. And he says, it is a day where you shall afflict your being, do no work. And he says that this is a day for both the stranger and the native born. So it's not only for the native born bloodline Israelite, the descendant of Abraham who came out, who came into the wilderness, but even the mixed multitude that came with them through the wilderness and everyone else who's coming and who wants to follow this God of Israel. So what does afflicting our beings mean? It is a common understanding that afflicting our beings is, is when we fast. When we fast, it is a humbling experience where we kill our flesh. It's literally a thing where we go and we do not eat. We, we refrain from feeding our flesh what it needs to prosper and be satisfied. So we withhold what satisfies our flesh and we partake in the bread that satisfies our spirit. In other words, the bread, Yeshua. We partake in him. And when we partake in him, we don't need the, 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 to, to desire to fulfill our flesh. That's why Yeshua said that the bread that I have is not of this earth when they offered him bread, physical bread to eat. And so he was fasting in that moment. And in the same way, this is a day of fasting. We're instructed to fast on this day. Why? As I've mentioned, this is a day of absolutely like introspection and absolutely fasting and, and, and lifting our voices high to the Father and, and crying out to him, Lord, Lord, what is there in my life that needs to be fixed? Lord, what is there on, on my skin? What is there on my flesh? What is it? What am I? What sin is there, God? What is there still on me? What, what's the dirt that's on my face that I don't see? And in this place, we we lift up our voice to the Father in fasting. We we cry out and and we 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 afflict our beings. 
And so then we trust the Father to come and reveal these deep things in our life. Because see, brother and sister, if you do not do this, if you do not do this, you will go on and sit with a sin for three years in a row. You will sit with a sin for four years in a row. But this is a festival where the Father says, one of these years, this is going to be a day where a trumpet is blown and the time is going to be up. And will you then still have that sin that you've been struggling with for five years? For it will be unacceptable before the Lord. He says that this is a time where you rid yourself from every evil desire and thing in your life. And you forbid your flesh of continuing in what it has been continuing for the last year. Since the last time you, you have celebrated the festival. So this is absolutely a time where the Father says the time is now up. You stop this. And we know that fasting is a tool that the Father gives us to discipline our flesh. Let our spirit be exalted. And so our spirit can take dominion over our flesh. And so we can break the chains of bondage over our flesh. And so this is why the Father says you need to afflict your being. That is the first reason. The second reason is that because this is a day of a gloomy day of dark, a dark day where a day of judgment, it's not a day, a day of celebration. It's, it's more while the day of trumpets was a celebration where Yeshua came on the clouds. The day of atonement is 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 not as much a celebration as it is a day of afflicting our beings. A day of, of, of introspection and seriousness, seriousness to, to see. And not only on the feast day itself, but the 10 days of all leading up to it. We know that on the first day of the seventh month is the festival of trumpets. The 10th day of that same month is the, is the day of atonement. And so in those 10 days, it's also known as the 10 days of all, where, where it builds up to this ultimate day of atonement where the last great shofar was blown. So on the day of trumpets, we see a lot of, around the blowing of shofars, of course, the blowing of trumpets. And it's also known as the last trumpet, the day of, uh, the, day of the festival of trumpets. But, but the day of atonement is also known as the great trumpet. This is a demonstration of the Father's grace and mercy for us. The reason I say this is that while the Father says, and in our Greek mindsets, we think of a last trumpet. And yes, it is on the day of trumpets. It's, it's, a, it's a last blowing of a trumpet, a final warning and, and, and of repentance. But then there is a 10 day of incredible demonstration of the Father's mercy and grace where he has where it leads up to the great trumpet. The great trumpet will be at the at the great white throne judgment, basically at the the, the last time, the, the last moment, the last uh, hour, the last minute of repentance that we would ever have. And at the last great trumpet, he, the father says, now the time is over. And so the, the day of trumpets is a calling to the world to repent and a calling for us to repent. And it is not. And this these 10 days of all on the day of atonement is not for us to say, oh, well, you know, the day of atonement is coming up. I still have license to have time. No, 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 brother and sister. The, the day of trumpets is the last time and the 10 days of all is the, is, is, is the, is the absolute time is up now. It's the, and then on the last great day, the day, the time is up. And all this is simply a demonstration of his mercy and grace to prepare us for that day. And so similar to the festival of trumpets, we also see that the day of atonement is a high Sabbath. In other words, it's a day where God instructs us to, to not work further and not uh, to, to, to take the day off for him. 
because if you are working and you're not setting this day apart from the rest, this day will not bear much meaning to you. You cannot really celebrate a festival of God or set a day apart for him effectively if you're still in the field and still in your workplace working. So the father instructs us to take a day off of peace, to focus on him, focus on repentance, focus on introspection, focus on all of that. So the father comes and he he instructs the high priest to make a, this is the only day of the year where the high priest goes into the Holy of Holies to make atonement for the sins of Israel. So it's basically this, this, this message of, you know, if you haven't, if you still have sin, if you still have anything, the day of atonement is where Israel had, is, was their last chance to get rid of everything they had this year. Atonement, according to the Strong's Hebrew concordance, it simply means to cover, it means to cleanse, disannul, forgive, be merciful, pardon, purge, and reconcile. And we see the first example of this in Genesis 3 verse 21, where God covers Adam and Eve with the animals, covers them with the, the skin of the animals. And so it's very important to understand that when we look at the, the, the tabernacle of Moses in the wilderness, the animal sacrifices that took place there were, were symbolic and in remembrance of and, memor- and as a memorial of Yeshua. They were, they never, the blood of bulls and goats was never able and never meant to in the first place to actually take away the sins of the people. They have always been a symbol for God to demonstrate to his people of the, the issue of sin. When Moses went up to the mountain to, to get the commandments of God and Israel Right after that, they built the golden calf and they did all of that. Moses came down. God was angry and there was the wrath of God was poured on the people and 3,000 died. God then decided to, to, demon, to, to implement animal sacrifices or use it as a way of demonstrating to Israel the seriousness of their sin. And so it would be this thing where, you know, they, they would take these animals, these real, I mean, they're living animals, innocent animals, man, innocent animals innocent blood and they would they would put, symbolically put their sins on these animals and these animals would then die for their sins and this is a picture for them to see man my sins aren't just this nothing i mean something had to die something something a life had to be taken a life that i was it was supposed to be my life it was supposed to be me that had to die for this sin it was for this adultery for this for this fornication for this Whatever the sin is, stealing, you know, whatever it is, something had to die and it was supposed to be me. But now we're placing it on this animal. And this is simply a demonstration and a picture of what Yeshua was going to come do. It is very important to understand that, that, that wouldn't, the sins weren't literally being put on the animal and the animal wasn't literally carrying the sins. And so now when we today come and we put our sins on Yeshua, it is an incredibly deep thing man it's an incredibly heavy thing and i think like christians they're so a lot of people are so like light on this thing man we don't we don't understand the seriousness of this issue we oh yeah lord i sinned oh thank you lord forgive me uh, and then i go on with my day that's the perception of 90 percent of christianity but these festivals god is saying listen you keep these festivals because you need to understand the seriousness of your sin you need to understand that there is a something, there is someone that needs to die for you. There is someone that need. there is blood that needs to be spilt for your sin. The little sin that you think is so little and, and, and not a huge deal, not a big thing. 
Someone needs to die for that. And the father says, I send my son to die for that. And he says, so you keep this festival and you do this. You do introspection. You look at your life because I forbid you from continuing in the state that you were in from when I came for you. When you came to the knowledge of the truth of my son, I forbid you from now continuing in that habitual sin you've been doing. You cannot continue in habitual sin while professing that you know him. You cannot do it. The father does not allow it. And so he in this season, he says, you now search your heart. My Holy Spirit will convict you. You keep this festival of introspection and you fast and you do not. You forbid your flesh. And it doesn't matter what it takes. It doesn't matter what it takes. You forbid your flesh from continuing in the sin that you had yesterday. Because you are now placing your sin on Yeshua. And while placing it on him, you cannot now let, let, let your sin allow the blood to come pouring through his skin. You can't allow all the weight on him and let him be killed for that. And then still after that, continue in it. And so in Isaiah, we read about this fast that the father desires. Cry aloud, do not spare, lift up your voice like the shofar, declare to my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me day by day and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the right ruling of their God. They ask me of me rulings of righteousness They delight in drawing near to God. They say, why have we fasted and you have not seen? Why have we afflicted our being and you have taken no note? Look, in the day of your fasting, you find pleasure and drive on your laborers. He's talking about the day of atonement in this verse. Look, you fast for strife and contention and to strike with the fist of wrongness. And do not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. Is it a fast that I have chosen a day for a man to afflict his being? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Do you call this day a fast and an acceptable day to Yahweh? So first he says that you, this is the way you're fasting. You drive your laborers on my day of atonement. You do not give them a Sabbath of rest, but you drive them. He said it's a hypocritical thing that he's talking about here. And furthermore, he says that you fought, you take sackcloth and ashes and you, you pour it over yourself and you make your fast known to everyone. And you say, oh, woe is me. Oh, I am so like the Pharisees did. And we do this whole thing of, oh, you know, look how, oh, Lord, you know. But then he goes on, he says, now this, look at this. This is the fast that I desire of you. Is it not the fast that I've chosen to loosen the tight cords of wrongness, to undo the bands of the yoke, to exempt the oppressed and to break off every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you, that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked and cover him and do not hide yourself from his flesh, from your own flesh, then, you, then your light will bring forth like the morning. Your healing spring forth speedily and your righteousness shall go before you. The steam of Yahweh would be your rear guard. Then when you call, Yahweh would answer. When you cry, he would say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the slavery from your midst, the pointing of the finger and the speaking of unrighteousness, then he will make you right on the heights of the nations. And so we see that God instructs us. He says, oh, don't don't just go and, and, and oh, oh, woe is me, woe is me. I want to see this in action. I want you to feed the hungry. I want you to take that bread that you're fasting from. And I want you to actually give it to someone. 
I want you to actually go in action and look and love after my, after my people. I want you to go and bring freedom to the lost. Spread the gospel. I don't want you to just sit in your little house and oh, woe is me. I want you to go out and be Yeshua to someone. That's what the Lord says. And he says that I am sick. I am sick of your oh, woe is me. I want the I want to see the fruit in your life. I want to see not only, oh Lord, oh Lord, help me, help me. I want to see you step into the thing, the calling that I've called you into. And when you step into the identity of being Yeshua to someone else, in that place, I will heal you. In that place, I will make you right on the heights of the nations. In that place, I will be there. I will come and I will answer to the call of your fast. You will no longer say, Lord, we're calling out, we're fasting, Lord, where are you? But you will hear my voice for I will come to you as the light and darkness and you will be healed. And so I would like to explain to you the procedure of how this day was observed in Israel while the temple was still standing. There were two goats that were brought to the, the high priest and a lot was casted. In other words, it's kind of almost like a throwing of a dice, a 50-50 chance of choosing uh, a certain thing. And what would happen is there would be a name of Azazel and a name of Yahweh that will be placed on these two goats according to the lot that was cast. So according to the lot, the 50-50 chance, the, depending on, dependent on that, the goat would receive that name. And you shall take the two goats and let them stand before Yahweh at the door of a tent of appointment. And Aaron shall cause lots for the two goats, one lot for Yahweh and the other lot for Azazel. And Aaron shall bring the goat for which the lot for Yahweh fell and shall prepare it as a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot for Azazel fell is caused to stand alive before Yahweh to make atonement upon it, to send it into the wilderness to Azazel. And he shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his finger on the lid of the atonement on the east side. Also in the front of the lid of atonement, he sprinkles some of the blood with his finger seven times. So in this, we see that there is a separation. There is a, 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 a dividing line where Yahweh determines which goat will receive which name. One will receive the name of Azazel upon it. The other will receive the name of Yahweh upon it. And depending on which name the goat receives, the goat will go a different way. If the goat receives the name of Azazel, he will be the sins of Israel be put upon it and he will be casted out into the wilderness. If it was to Yahweh, then the goat would be taken into his sacrifice will be brought before Yahweh. So to better understand this, we need to understand the, the Hebrew perspective of what Azazel means and who Azazel was. The book of Enoch gives us a glimpse of this. I do not subscribe and I'm not, I'm not submitting to you that the book of Enoch is a is scripture or, or put on the level of scripture at all. The only reason I'm reading from it is I want you to see what they understood around the Azazel. And Azazel taught mankind to make swords and knives and shields and coats of mail and taught them to see what was behind them and their works of our bracelets, ornaments and the use of rouge and the beautifying of the eyebrows and the dearest and choicest stones of all, coloring substances and the metals of the earth. And there was great wickedness and much fornication and they sinned and all their ways were corrupt. And so we see that Azazel was seen as the one, a, a, a demon or a, a, a force of darkness, whatever you want to call him, that taught sin, fornication and various other uh, idolatries.
So this is the perspective. So we see that, that, that in the high priest would cast a lot and there would be, if it fell on Azazel, Azazel would be cast out into the wilderness or it would be fell on God. So there is this separation that we need to understand that happens. We also see Yeshua prophesying of this separation and he's speaking about the separation and Matthew where he talks about the great judgment. The great last day, and this is all connected to the, this day of atonement in Leviticus. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he shall sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations. And he shall separate them one from another. Separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, on the goats on his left. It's important to understand that at the where the, where the high priest, he would do the same thing where he would place the Azazel goat and the other goat on his left and right hands. And he would put the goat of Yahweh on his right hand and the goat of Azazel on his left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand. These are the ones that are accepted. Come ye blessed of the father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry. And you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you take me in naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungry and fed thee or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee as a stranger and took thee and all naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say to them, Verily, verily, I say to you, and as much as done unto one of the least of these brethren, you have done unto me. Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And so we see that Yeshua basically connects this to the prophecy in Isaiah that we read, where he says that this is the fast that I'm desiring to feed the hungry, the widow, orphan, looking after them and loving and, and walking in love. And he says that whatever you do unto the least of them now in Matthew, whatever you do unto the least of these, you do unto me. And he's talking about this place where the throne would be, the judgment would be, he would cause a separation. He will tell the group that he will cause into everlasting darkness with, with Hasatan, the enemy, Satan. He says, you were the ones who did not do these things. Yeah, sure, you fasted. Yeah, sure, you might have called on my name, but you missed the whole point. You never walked in love. You missed the point. You were a bunch of Pharisees. You missed the point. It's not enough to simply... Keep the law one, two, three. You need to love. You need to, to be the walking hands and feet of Yahweh on this earth, is what he said. It is interesting to note that at the ritual where the high priest would, would, would cast the Lord for Azazel and, and the God of Yahweh, he would, he would cast the, the God of Azazel into the wilderness. And when, what ended up happening is, is the goat starts, started coming back a few days later. Quite a funny thing where the sins of Israel would come back on this goat to them. What they started doing is they started going, following the goat and throwing the goat off a cliff so that the, the goat would not be able to return to them. And so in the same way, we see that Yeshua says to these people in, at the great white throne judgment, he tells them, you who did not feed me when I was hungry and thirsty. He says that he throws them off the cliff. He says that I will throw you into everlasting darkness, into the everlasting fire with Satan to where you belong. And so 
This is a whole picture, a separation. This is a day of, of separation. This is a day of it. This is the day where, where God is going to draw a line in the sand and he's going to say it's up. The time is up. The trumpet lasts. The, the great trumpet blows. The time is up. We, it's this place where the angels have they've come and, and they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was, who is and who is to come. Who was, who is and who is to come. And everyone's on their face. And the time is up and there is a separation. And so in here, the father says that this is the day of separation. Where will you end up? If that trumpet was today, where would you end up? Did you clothe me when I was naked? Did you feed me when I was hungry? Did you care for me? Were you there for, my, for me? And you would say to him, oh, father, where did I ever see you? And he says, whatever you did unto the least of these, those people that you walk by in your daily walk, that grocer, that, that, that woman who was hurting, who never knew my name, that atheist in your workplace who never knew my name. Why did you not speak a word? Why did, were you ashamed of me? I tell you, if you are ashamed of me in the workplace, if you are ashamed of me in the grocery store, if you are ashamed of my name, I will be ashamed of you in the great day of judgment for you did not feed the poor with me. You did not feed the poor in spirit. And I'm not talking about merely physical things. I'm talking about feeding them with Yeshua. And so brother and sister, I tell you that today is a time of deep introspection. This week you need to look at yourself and analyze yourself before he analyzes you on that great day. Make sure you're ready now. You'd rather want to hear this from me than from him. If you're not ready, brother or sister, get ready. You know, there's, there's these things that we say, oh, you know, I've been, I've been struggling with the sin. And we allow the enemy to tell us, oh, you know what? It's okay. Just one more time. It's okay. Oh, it's okay. God will forgive you. Oh, it's okay. You, you do it again. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Did God really say that you need to repent today? Just like he told Adam and Eve in the garden. Did God really mean that it's wrong? Or did he? I mean, wasn't that law abolished? Wasn't that? Uh, I think, are you sure? I tell you today, brother and sister, that not one jot or tittle has abolished from all the law. And we need to get in alignment for our king. The bride needs to get in alignment for with the bridegroom. For he's coming back for a spotless bride, as spotless as he is. And I'm telling you that if you are not in obedience to the instructions of the Father, now is the time to see, Lord, Lord, Analyze. look at me now, Lord. Show me, Holy Spirit, in light of your word. Show me in light of the word that you gave in the, in the Bible, in the, in the front of our book, and in all of that. And then in light of the Torah that you wrote on my heart, Father, show me, where am I? Where am I? Where have I wronged my brother and sister? You see, we, if you have unforgiveness in your heart and that trumpet blows, it's too late, brother and sister. If you have unforgiveness in your heart towards anyone, even towards yourself, and that trumpet blast is going to be too late. He, he says now, to, to, today is the day to, to, get, to get all those things over with. It's, it's time to give it up. For he says that if you do not forgive your brother and sister, I tell you that my father will not forgive you. The master called the servant and you wicked servant. He said, I cancel all your debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have done have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his masters handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother and sister from the heart. And so we see now that this father's call today, everything that you've been hearing today, this is... This is about the Day of Atonement. This is about this thing. And as you can see, this thing is not a strange thing. 
This thing is not a thing to be taken lightly or to be preached as it is abolished. Many preachers and pastors will one day stand before him and they will realize that they are least in the kingdom of heaven for because they taught that this is abolished. I tell you that if you teach that these things are abolished, Yeshua himself said, if, if you teach that even one of the least of these commandments are abolished, you will be called least in my kingdom. And I'm telling you that the reason for that is if we teach that this, what I'm talking about today is abolished, we are taking away from God's people all that I'm talking about today. And we are going to be taking life from people. Because this here, brother and sister, this is not a message of condemnation. This is not a message of guilt. This is not a message of shame. This is a message of coming in alignment with the king and encouragement of getting our life in order. A message of pausing, putting the hold and work and everything on hold and saying today, I am going to get myself right with my father. Get myself right with my brother and sister. Go to your brother and sister. And go to them and, and declare to them, I am sorry, even if it wasn't my, even if it wasn't your fault. I am sorry. I forgive you. Let's reconcile. This is the day of atonement, the day of reconciliation, the day where there's no more excuse for coming before him with dirty hands. Brother and sister, just like we, we read in Leviticus where the blood was sprinkled on the altar, the blood of, is, was, was of that, the, the goat of Yahweh, the, go, the goat that God's name was put on. His blood was sprinkled on the altar and that goat was a, a sacrifice for him. The Father desires and calls us to be a living sacrifice in our, in our walk. He puts his name on us and he calls us to be a living sacrifice for him. We also then see that Yeshua is in this picture where the Yeshua's blood was sprinkled for us. Because we need to remember that all, as I mentioned, all these things were symbolic and pointing to Yeshua uh, and simply as a memorial. And so we see that Yeshua's blood is sprinkled on the doorpost of our heart. Hebrews 10 verse 19. So brothers, having boldness to enter into the set apart place by the blood of Yahweh, by a new and living way, which he instituted for us through the veil that is his flesh and having a high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with a true heart of completeness in belief, having our hearts sprinkled from a wicked conscience and our blood washed with clean, our bodies washed with clean water. And so we see that, uh, that Yeshua's blood is sprinkled on the doorpost of our heart to give us a clean conscience, to, to cleanse us inside. And that means that and that enables us to come into his presence in freedom enables us to come into his presence of a clear conscience and we don't need to worry about all the past stuff anymore. He sprinkles and declares us clean. His blood fills us up and declares us clean. And we see, brother and sister, that when we, yes, we are not going to be perfect. We are going to have, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to, we're going to have sins. But, but this is a, this is a message of repenting from our habitual sin, repenting from that stuff that we keep doing over and over and over and over. Uh, we, that is what this is about. But, the, and then the father says that I sprinkle your conscience clean. Once you repent, once you bring that to him, once you die to yourself and say, Father, I give you my life. He says he comes with the spirit. He comes and he and he sprinkles your conscience clean and gives you a new heart. And so in that there is no condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Yeshua, Jesus Christ. And so that means that before there was a veil and, and we couldn't all enter his presence and, and freedom because the, the blood of Yeshua wasn't shed yet. 
But now that the blood has been shed and the spirit has been dwelled with, is dwelling within our tabernacles, we can now enter into that set apart place within. We can now enter into that presence with Yahweh, with God. We can come and we can put, we can, we can confess our sins at His feet. And His holiness and the outpouring of His Spirit on us is what makes us holy. It's not by our works that we become holy. Our works can defile us, but He is the one that declares us and makes us holy. And so now He says, I declare you holy. I declare you clean. Now continue in that holiness. Continue in that that cleansing sanctification process. Continue in that place so that and, and repent of anything that keeps you and strays you all from that path. My brother and sister, thank you so much for sticking through this teaching. I hope this encourages you. I encourage you to, to do a deep introspection in this time and, and search your heart for the truth, man. Search your heart for, for the deep places and of your past and, and even the past month and week and day and everything. Look at it and bring it before the Father. Confess your sins and turn. We need to understand and remember that repentance means turning away from and to. Preparation means turning away from and to. And this festival is all for preparing for that great day. That great great trumpet blast. So that we would all be ready. So we can all come there and be, yes, Father, I'm ready for this. And so, Father, Lord, I just thank you so much, Lord, for this day, Father, that you've given us these remembrance, these festivals of, of, of remembrance, Father, of your truth, Lord. And Father, I thank you, God, Lord, that we, you will honor this day, Lord, and when we fast and afflict our beings towards you, Lord, and we come and we repent of our sins, Father, I thank you, Lord, that you will come and honor that and deliver us, Father. Lord, I proclaim a deliverance over your people from cigarettes, Father. I proclaim a deliverance from, from every drug and sorcery and witchcraft over your people today, Father. I thank you for freedom from all that father we command every spirit of witchcraft to leave the midst of your people lord father i thank you for freedom from that and we break every chain lord i thank you lord and lord not only that we will fast father but we will bring the bread of you the bread of yeshua not only to 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 to, to the to the, the widow the orphan in the, the in the physical manner father but the the lost and the widow and the orphan in the spiritual manner the lost people in our places that ever surrounds us father and lord i just pray father that you would come lord we break off every spirit of adultery father of fornication father of sexual immorality over your people father father every man who struggles with that every woman who struggles father we break that off of them lord we break those chains for i thank you god that you will set us free for i thank you that the spirit of god is where the spirit of god is there's freedom for i thank you that that clean conscience you give us lord that clean conscience means that we don't need to do that anymore that means we can be free. We don't need to anymore. We, are, we can be filled by you, Father. I thank you, God. We glorify you, Lord. Father, I thank you for healing and the breaking of chains in this season, Father. Physically and spiritually and emotionally, Lord. Over all your people, Father. I declare this in the name of Yahweh, Yeshua, the Messiah. Father, I thank you. Right, guys, may God bless you and keep you. Have an amazing day. And have a blessed Yom Kippur Day of Atonement.